The Tuffle Commute, Season 4, Episode 6, Songs, in which we finish our two-part exploration of musics and songs in ELT. Hey, Sean. Hey, Lindsay. How's your music going? All right. Yeah, good, good. Uh, We're up. Are you ready for our second parter here? I am. But but but, but I've I've got a, the bit that didn't make it into the first part. Uh, what do you get when you drop a piano on an army base? Oh my gosh. I don't know, Sean. What do you get when you drop a piano on an army base? A flat major. <laughs> oh my. Okay. What, no, 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 no. I've got, I've got one more. Why did the piano? Why did the pianist keep banging his head against the keys? I don't know. Why did the pianist keep banging his head against the keys, teacher? He was playing by ear. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. I, I'm tempted to just ring off right now. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Temple Commute. This is not a show of bad puns and jokes, although it may sound like it at times. This is a show about lang uh, for language teachers. Um, it's not necessarily about language teaching, but the topic will come up. I'm your host, Lindsay Kleinfield. And I'm the other person. Uh, my name's Sean Wilden. And this is the second parter of a two-parter that we are doing on music and song. Uh, this time we're looking at songs. Um, sh uh, Sean. Yes, Lindsay. Songs. You, songs. Well, uh, the, this this episode is interesting. We've done a couple of things on Facebook, um, which we're going to begin the episode with, and we're going to end the episode with. So um, one of the things we did on Facebook to begin is I asked a bunch of teachers if people wanted to nominate their favorite English course book song. Um, so songs that appeared in course book could be originally written for the course book or could be cover versions done in a course book um sean are there any that you would have expected to be there do you want to call some of these out I nobody I called mine my favorite was uh fast car by tracy chapman which uh oh. and the reason i i think the reason i liked it is because it was about the use of get and it was a, a, and it was a time when i was really interested in the lexical approach <laughs> and it was just like okay. one, of those, one of those things that's always stayed with me um i think it there were uh, what I liked about the call out was the number of people that had actually written songs or, uh, you know, had contributed songs to primary course books rather than um, kind of the usual list of like Englishmen in New York and those kind of things. Uh, do you want well, to just, wanna... just name a couple of the of the of the usual list, though, just so everybody knows? I mean, see, if, uh, some lots of people talked about uh, different Beatles songs. She's Leaving Home, I think, is one. Um, I remember Tom's Diner. I remember teaching Tom's Diner out of a course book. That oh, was yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect for present continuous. Um, Englishman in New York has been used in at least two books, I think. Um, what other what other songs were there that are, are Girl from Ipanema, um, Our House, uh, Madness, um, You're So Vain, somebody mentioned that they love teaching in a course book, and Three Little Birds. Uh, yeah, um, I, 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 there's another one that I just remember. Oops, excuse me, I dropped my pen. The the other one that uh, that, that stuck out for me was uh, the uh, lemon tree. I think just another lemon tree, which I think oh, did, did yeah. the rounds as a present continuous song for a while. Yes, uh, that's right. It was ousted by Tom's Diner. I think there were other ones there. Um, 
it was an Elton John song, somebody, but they couldn't remember what it was. I can't remember either. Um, what a Wonderful World, I remember using. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah. I think it was close. And, and there was, well, obviously there was the really helpful comment by Hugh Della of Kill Me Now when when uh, when we asked <laughs> what the songs were. So typical. Um, uh, what about the songs written for course books? I don't know that many because I never taught um, primary, but I know lots of primary teachers that could probably recite lyrics that of things that were written especially to teach have you got or clean up your things and stuff like that i think there's a there's a definite uh, there's a kind of there's this there's a difference between uh, in between kind of songs in 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 primary course books and the songs in the more adult secondary orientated one and they because you've got you've got the ones in the in the in the latter are, are probably uh, pop songs done a different way while the ones in the primary books are are authored um especially for that book um, you know, so there's, I think there's a great difference in the way they're used as well. Uh, one reflects almost a, a kind of total physical response kind of methodology, and one is using the song as a text. Do you not think? That no, I yeah, totally agree. And I think, um, of course, now it's you see, I, I I think we're seeing less songs in the adult slash secondary school books. I'm not sure, maybe in the secondary ones still less. I think in the adult ones. Um, uh, they've been replaced more by videos now, like video clips from the BBC or things like that. I think it was it's also because at the time, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, it wasn't that easy to get a copy of Tom's Diner. You know, before before uh, YouTube, before, um, you know, iTunes, before all of this, you know, and everyone had been things on cassette. Remember, the only copy I had of Tom's Diner was off, <laughs> off of the course book cassette. Um, but I think that once written did, did you secret did you take it home and listen to it like relaxing you know, <laughs> after work you know, with a beer listening to Tom's Diner on your no, on, no, on. <laughs> but uh, but the, the I think I think that people who write the songs especially for uh, books deserve you know special merit because they're they're not just thinking of writing tunes and words but it's got to be sort of a it's more like chance isn't it uh, a little bit yeah I think they definitely uh, chance uh, and uh, chance and there's going to be much more of the students learning and repeating the song that I think that would take place, say, in, a, in an adult classroom. I think that's a very uh, interesting skill to explore and certainly one that's kind of outside what I've, what I've generally done in ELT. Uh, so, yes, I think it's one I look at and think, yeah, impressive. Although sometimes when, when I have taught primary lessons and I had to teach those songs, I think, you really? You really want me to do this? But um, <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. But they can be fun, especially the ones where, where, where the tune works just right. I know that Ken Wilson, another person uh, in ELT who's written several course books, um, he always tells the story. He was one of the youngest authors published with his songs. Um, I think he was only in his early 20s. Uh, one of his songs, Mr. Monday, I seem to recall, was one of those. But there are were, there were several other people who wrote songs for sort of secondary and adult books as well. Yes, and, and when, so it's that, but that kind of um, leads us, I guess, to looking at. Did, did you did you list what your favorite song was? I, I just realized I'm not sure if I heard. You I, don't, I couldn't think of one that was my favorite one. It was maybe Tom's Diner. I enjoyed doing Tom's Diner, and I liked doing What a Wonderful World um, with uh, with with lower level classes. I do remember. I remember those ones, but I don't really have a favorite one. 
obviously we're re- we're recording this uh, towards the end of 2016 now, and and there's a certain time of year coming up, and I'd have to give I think I'd have to give special mention to uh, Shaking Stevens' "Merry Christmas, Everyone" in my list of favourite songs uh, done in the class, simply because in the school where I spent a lot of time working, somebody went to grab. I mean, it was one of those songs that became like an epic. That every teacher added something to it, so there were laminated cards and there were you know cut up lyrics. You know, yeah. it became the yeah. grand Christmas lesson. And it's kind of, kind of it's obviously so grand. It stayed in my head after all after all this time of, of very first coming across it. So I'm, I'm going to get a mention to that in there. Now I'll spin it the other way around. Do you have um Do you have a a word? I can tell you what my what what song I absolutely loathe in the course book, uh, and that is okay. that is the first time I ever saw your face. And there's no disrespect to Cutting Edge, but it's in Cutting Edge or was in Cutting okay. Edge. Okay. Um, and the reason I I I dislike it is uh it's just the most appalling cover version. Which we'll get to in a bit, but also it was what it was used in a in a CELTA uh, teaching point. You know when you give the, the trainee teachers something to teach. Yeah, so yeah. I heard it every four weeks. I heard the song oh, yeah. murdered badly. Uh, you know, so the song's been murdered badly, and of course the trainee teacher doesn't know what to do with the song, so they they murder it. Mine was I can't remember if it was in Inside Out or in Cutting Edge. There's one. There's a couple of songs that I never liked doing. Is one is and then he kissed me. Oh yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Other one was um, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Ah, uh, well, I, I actually don't like that song as a song. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> like either of those songs. Um, so I'm um, thinking of worse songs. Um, I, I, I when I was obviously uh, when we were researching for for an episode, I came across this blog post and it really made me laugh. And and this person, uh, it's it, the blog post, which of course we'll we'll, we'll link is is Pete the Swede's Truth Forum, and he lists five worst types of ESL uh, classrooms songs um and so his categories I, I wonder if you can okay. guess what's in them so his first category is he, he says that all these all these songs fall into uh five categories so his first category is the chipmunk <laughs> oh you mean like the, the cover version is uh is like meh, 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 yeah 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 it's sung yeah, that, just, that was really popular for a while that kind of chipmunky singing yeah, oh, God, so, yeah especially in kids books i guess but it's uh it's kind of the adult voice which has been put on helium and taken to a higher pitch. So that's okay. one. Uh, his second category is the creepy. The creepy? What's the creepy? Um, so he says, ah, the uh, the creepy are usually created exclusively for younger children, uh, despite their unsettling nature, are often popular in the classroom. Um, uh, it, they are fit comf- they're a song that would fit comfortably into any horror film soundtrack, particularly if they feature clowns. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. All right. So the creepy is another one. Uh, the comedy. Like a specifically written song for comedy? Yeah. And so um, it's it's a, a song which is kind of like of a, a comedy song, gives you a fit of giggles. Again, aimed at uh, young learners. Number I was four, like, oh, no, I've lost my keys. Yeah. Oh, no, I've lost my pen. <laughs> <laughs> You, I, I, are you a secret course book songwriter? Um, the fourth category is the ballad. Oh yeah, and I mean, how many songs are ballads in course books? I guess because okay. they're slow. Yeah, they're made, you know, you can hear sense. the lyrics, okay, uh, and whatever. And the last one probably links us to our uh, the next part that we want to talk about. Actually, uh, the shameless ripoff. So is this like a cover version, or yeah. it's like changing the words slightly? A bit of both. It's uh, it's a, it, mainly the cover version, uh, because of course there is a reason why they can't um, 
they can't yeah. use the, the real version of, of, of the song. And I just thought it's quite amusing that, you know, if you start thinking about all the course book songs, you can actually get them quite, uh, quite uh, easily into those, into those categories. As a course book author, sometimes people have asked me, why are the, you know, why do you have in this book, you know, a cover version which is so awful of this song and that song? Or why don't you have the originals? It's so easy now. And uh, one of the reasons, also a reason why I think there are less songs now being put into books is the copyright issue. Apparently, I was told by my editors on one of the first books I wrote um, that to get a song into a ELT course book, a real song, like, okay, so whatever, a, a Beatles song or a, uh, a Kylie Minogue song or something like that, that you need to negotiate. There were three copyright things you need to negotiate. The first is you need to get a copyright for the lyrics. So if you use the lyrics without the song at all, just putting the lyrics on the page, anything over one or two lines of lyrics, you need to get the copyright of that. That, should, that could be held by one person. Maybe not the singer, maybe the songwriter or the company. The second copyright that you needed to get was the tune. So um, the tune was also separately copyrighted. So if you wanted to have the song um, and the and the uh, play the song, have someone else play the song, you still had to get the pay for copyright to use that tune and the lyrics. Yeah. And then the third one, and which was the most expensive, was if you wanted the lyrics, the tune, and sung by the original artist. And uh, the combination of all those three for a book that's going to be published in many countries became prohibitive. Like wow. you would blow your whole budget for the whole book on just including one or two songs. Is that why there are a lot of um, older songs in course books as well? Because the copyright lapsed a little bit. Yeah, there they are. But for example, lots of the copyright stuff for the Beatles is, was held by Michael Jackson's yeah, estate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, quite, um, you know that's that's held onto it and being quite uh, ruthless with 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 uh, following that up. So it's not just the age of it. Um, although very old songs, I presume, like Gershwin or things like that, I suppose you would maybe be able to get easier. Um, but that that's the reason for it, and that's why they had lots of copyright. Uh, sorry, lots cover versions. Uh, by sort of bands that would cover these. Um, I think sometimes um, there's been an assumption now that teachers will be more easily able to get the original song. So I know there's been conversations where the people have said, we don't need, do we need to put the music or the song in there? Just put a worksheet or an idea on how to use the song, and then the teacher can find the song themselves on YouTube or wherever, or buy it on iTunes or something and use it there. So... But then there's, that's, that's, but it's uh, interesting because with going copyright, there, there is this misnomer about it's in is on YouTube. So then you get into actual, you know, the uh, since since we're going to talk about copyright, uh, can you, displaying YouTube in a classroom, you know, there's issues uh, there. To, yeah, uh, and then people sure then people well. take the YouTube video offline. So it is, you know, which again is against uh, actually against the terms and conditions. Um, yeah. So it, it is there. But I would, actually just going back to not the copyright thing, going back to something else you said. You you uh, earlier in the conversation you said that. Maybe there are less. Uh, sorry, there are fewer course book songs now uh, because we've moved into a into video and because they're more widely available. But does it actually mean there should be perhaps more teaching of course book songs? Because in fact, you can now access them. So therefore, shouldn't we be teaching uh, the adults, um, adult uh, teaching adults and children uh, about songs so they can access them themselves? Interesting. I mean, and, and lots of the st talks that I've been in uh, with different publishers and things like that, talking about what's coming up, what's new, what, 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 and looking at new books that are coming out. Songs have not really appeared on the radar at all. Everything has been about 
content from other sources, but not songs. And usually it's video. So, for example, getting the TED Talk videos into a course yeah. book, or National Geographic, or getting Discovery Channel, or getting BBC. Um, lots of these media companies have opened up their libraries and license out their libraries. And I think that's where everyone is going right now. Um, we don't have, for example, EMI or uh, Warner Music um, opening up their library and saying, hey, guys, um, any publishers want to start using this? Perhaps because they're figuring out other ways of monetizing it. I oh, think okay. so. these big media companies are looking at new ways of monetizing old content and sort of set up these big content libraries, which they license out to, to different people, including course book publishers. So. Yeah, interesting. I, 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 it's an interesting put it that way because I sometimes think that uh, I think um, you know when you when you when you have these meetings about course books, there is this idea that sometimes the publishers want to move on. They look at the next thing, so they think, "Oh, well, video is now ubiquitous. Maybe we can start using video." And they, you know, songs are seen as kind of the old thing, and you know, and they move on and forget that still value in in the thing that went before it. And certainly, working in, in the in the technology sphere, that's that's yeah. what often happens uh, with them. You know, mm. um, um, good topic for an essay. Are songs still sexy? Discuss. Yes. Um, you know what? Speaking of songs, shall we? Well, before we go on to anything more on songs, shall we just take a little wee breather here and uh, hear the angels hear their song? Oh, go on then. Teachers make more minute-by-minute decisions than brain surgeons, and that's why you're going home so exhausted each day. Dr. Tina Bugren. Welcome to another round of Tefl Fights, in which our two competitors duke it out to decide who's right and who's wrong. So what are the Queensbury rules? Well, each fighter will have one minute to argue their case and do some serious damage to their competitor. In round two, they'll have the chance to follow up and land the knockout blow, persuading the judge, that's me, that they've managed to win. In this bout, our brave pugilists will be sparring over this topic. Songs should not be used in class with adults. So going first and arguing for the topic, it's Lindsay. Seconds out, let's go. Okay, so I'm arguing uh, in favor of the motion that songs should not be used in class with adults. All right, now I'm not going to say that I'm against songs, but I'm going to say that songs are better left for independent study and not done in class. Why? A few reasons. First, your favorite song that you, you will, as a teacher, you will probably be the one bringing the song in. So if you bring in a song that you like, invariably one or another student is going to scorn it. They're going to say, oh, this is crap. And that hurts. That really hurts when someone criticizes your music taste. So what are you going to do? Also, if you get students to choose the music, so if your answer is, well, I get them to choose the music, then they are facing the potentially damaging situation that I just outlined. When someone says, who chose this song? That sucks. Also, students choosing the music, yeah, they'll choose something these days, they'll choose something that which is either linguistically unsuitable, 
has hardly any words or is just too hard and you just don't know what to do and where to begin with it. Secondly, songs are not always ideal models for language study in class. Again, I'm saying in class. Teacher takes way too long to explain the vocabulary. The ROI, return on investment, is just not good enough. Also, the songs that do work have been done a million times. How many times can you do Our House by Madness? I've done it so many times, I, can't, I don't want to do it anymore. Also, songs in class can be considered like you're kind of skiving off. It's like a Friday afternoon activity. So students don't really think of it as work. Therefore, when you bring out a song and say, let's do a song in class, they respect you a little bit less. Okay? And that's time. Okay, thank you, Lindsay. And now, Sean, it's over to you. Right then, let's win another fight. I'll begin with the opening words from the resource book Music and Song by Murphy. There is no human society without its poetry. There is no human society without its music. And when we put them together, they constitute a powerful force for both cultural cohesion and identity, as well as for individual fulfillment. What other argument do I need when we want to talk about songs in the classroom? We want classes to be cohesive. We want people to talk about songs. Um, we want them to share songs. This is this builds cohesion. Identity, there is so much written and, and spoken about the use of identity in language teaching and songs form an integral part of identity, both for language teaching and within culture, which is also important uh, in the classroom. Finally, individual fulfillment. This is motivation, it's challenge, it's learning stuff. Individual fulfillment always comes out of using songs in the classroom. Think about the way we interact with songs in real life. We listen, we sing, we comprehend, we memorize, we talk about them, we share them, we review them. We are surrounded by songs in every aspect of our life, in a cafe, when we go shopping, at sports events. So why should the ELT classroom be any different? Having the real-world hook of a song can make learning more immediate. The heavily scripted dialogues that you find in course books don't always exactly motivate students. They don't see the purpose of the language in them. But in a song, we get motivation. Students get lost in the song and they forget that they're learning. And that's time up for you too, Sean. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for round two. So, Lindsay, back over to you. Okay, with my 30 seconds, I'm going to say Sean is living in a very nice teacher trainer Ayatafel conference world where all of these things happen. I'm talking about the real world, okay? In the real world, um, sometimes songs have a long instrumental part. So when you're re-listening again, you're listening through that long instrumental or that long guitar uh, thing, uh, guitar solo, and people are saying, well, what are we doing here in class? We're losing this time. Um, so you have to sit through that all over again to listen to the key parts of the words that you want to focus on. Again, I'm not arguing that songs aren't great and good for humans and good for culture and everything like that, but you're putting something nice under a microscope when you're doing it in class and studying the language and you're sucking the joy out of it little by little. Let the students listen to songs, let them listen to their own talk, listen on their own, talk about them outside of class, talking about them inside of class, but don't put them for language study specifically in language class. And Sean, it's over to you. I might live in an idealised world, but Lindsay clearly lives in a world without a fast-forward button. Um, who says they'll have to listen to all those long instrumentals and that? They can use the pieces of, of the text. And I, 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 I believe that our job in the classroom is to, teach, is to help students in the real world. So why not look at songs? We look at authentic text. We look, you can, we look at video, as we've already talked about. So why not use songs as, as an ex aspect of them? He talks about the people uh, not liking the song you bring in. That's the same with any material we use in the classroom. They, you know, when you, we don't have homogenous classes, we have people who have different needs and interests. So that's a really mute point. I also 
think that letting the students choose songs to bring songs in gives them, you know, shows interest, allows them allows them to teach uh, students to teach each other and develop that interest. And I think once you've got it, songs lead to good classroom dynamics, they lead to good, good classroom atmospheres, and therefore that in turn leads to good learning. Um, and that's all I have to say about it, really. So we've heard some great arguments from both of our combatants and it's time now for me to make my final decision as to who has the eye of the tiger and who's been left spread-eagled on the canvas. And while I'll agree that there are some cheesy and pointless songs out there, surely there's nothing better than imposing your music taste on your students, right? So the winner and reigning champion is Sean. Yeah, two nil, two nil, oh, two nil. God. Oh, well, to be fair, this is really hard for me because, for the sake of argument, I took the harder argument. Well, you didn't, actually, like, you didn't actually take the harder argument. I gave you the harder argument as the previous so winner. I was given the argument. I was given the harder argument. You did, and, you so did. I, I, and it showed. To be honest, I mean, your argument is full of holes. I, there was a reach there. Although some of those things I do maintain, and having an eleven-year-old girl say, "What is this? This is awful." really hurts that I, hurts I, I was gonna ask if there was actually that was personal experience uh it with it. But, I'm still <laughs> it's true and i think and actually i think that's a good flipping it the other way that is often the the flip side of that is taking a song you think the students will like and you get you know all these teenagers going what the hell are you doing I, I I do think there was a lot of truth in your argument. I do think we do songs to death in the classroom, and that's something we've got to be wary of, playing something a hundred million times just so they can get it. Oh, that's uh, nice. We're making nice now after our fight. Well, I like we do, that. To, we do need to continue with the episode, and, and and I don't want you to feel too down that you're you're now too nil down in fights. Oh my gosh, someone else is going to have to take up my mantle here. Okay, let's pass. Speaking of song, we were talking about songs used in class. Let's hear from someone we haven't heard from for a while. Um... I think it's time for a Carrie's Corner on songs. You may or you may not know that I'm Welsh and um, you may or you may not know that Wales is considered the land of song. In fact, if you Google uh, land of song, you will automatically get links to Wales. Um, now. This is kind of slightly problematic for me um, because I have a confession. Uh, yes, I'm Welsh and no, I can't sing. I can't sing for toffee. I, I can't hold a tune in my head and I tell you, I even have to mouth the words to happy birthday. I get so embarrassed singing in public. Um, that doesn't mean, of course, that I don't sing loudly in the car when I'm on my own or, or in the shower if I think there's no one listening. Um, but otherwise, kind of songs or singing at least is a, really a cause of some embarrassment for me. I guess there may be some other Welsh people out there who, um, who share the suffering of the same stigma. And I think this fact that I just don't have um, a memory for music or a, any ability whatsoever to reproduce it. it might make me more of a, a victim or possibly a perpetrator of the Mondegreen. 
um, otherwise known as the misheard lyric. Don't know if you've ever heard of Mondegreens. Um, apparently the term was coined uh, by a writer, Sylvia Wright, who she herself misheard the line in a poem um, about the slaughter of um, a knight and his lady Mondegreen. But of course, years later, she discovered that it wasn't a Lady Mondegreen at all, but the fact that the knight's dead body had been laid upon a green. So she used Mondegreen um, to coin this term for all misheard lyrics. Now, one of my favourite um, misheard lyrics comes from the 90s, and um, it's a song that I would love to dance to and would sing along quite happily about a, a grim poodle basher. Um, I had no idea why that would be the lyric in the song, um, but I was absolutely convinced that that's what I could hear and that's what I would sing. Even when people pointed out to me that the actual uh, lyric is a brimful of asher. Um, so I decided, actually just before making this corner, I thought I'd look that lyric up and see um, what exactly it meant. And in fact, it turns out that um, the whole song is dedicated to um, an Indian singer in Bollywood uh, who sang over 12,000 songs and um, was coined um, the Queen of Song. So I thought maybe that was actually quite a fitting uh, Mondegreen for this episode. So anyway, that's my favourite Mondegreen. Um, do you have any favourites? Maybe you can write in and, and share them with us. Ah, it's always nice to have her voice uh, and her corner yeah. appear in, 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 hear, a, in an episode. Again. It's good, isn't it? Now, well, actually, just before we get to before we get to the end, I, we, we've hinted I, just as we're recording the episode. I'm thinking we've talked a lot about using songs in the classroom. So, so Lindsay, do you have a particular favourite way of using a song in the classroom? Um, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot a bit there. But, you are putting me on the spot. I mean, it's like, I think we talk about my favourite way. And, I think I'm going to save my favorite way for um, the for the of end activity. of podcast activity. I might save yeah. it for the end of podcast activity. Okay. How about that? All Make right. sure everyone listens to the end. The activity at the end will be one of my favorite ways of using a song in class. Fair enough. Sorry for putting this far. I just think there's, a, there's one thing we actually haven't covered is all the different ways that we can use use songs in it. Mine is actually t is changing the lyrics, I think. And so the students have to yeah. hear the different lyrics. I think that, that's what that's I do. That's true. So I do like singing a song with students. You I do, do like, like singing. Yeah. Oh, do you? I like singing songs with students. With, with adult beginners, there's nothing more satisfying. That's interesting because I don't, but I don't like the sound of my voice when I sing. So that's probably. No, but you. The key is to play the song as you sing along with the song, like sing along with it, and then slowly reduce the volume. Um, oh, okay. And so then you just hear the singing. Very nice. So I guess, I guess hey, it's so using drilling techniques. So anyway, I, I was talking about changing the the lyrics of songs as my favorite activity, which I think possibly leads you to your your little song title. Yes. Yeah? Well, uh, we're bookending this uh, podcast with um, some things that we did on Facebook. Now the, we started uh, by uh, asking teachers what songs uh, from course books or from courses that they like to use and what when they didn't like to use. But what became a lot more fun was our second challenge which was we asked uh teachers to take um 
uh, song title and changed the title slightly so it became more English language teaching-like. Okay, so I, I don't want to give an example because I don't want to give it away. But um, so this was taking a title and then changing it slightly so it kind of linked into ELT in one way or another. Now, that post of mine got 156 responses at the time of recording. So we uh, wanted to choose some of the best ones, and we're going to do this as a kind of top of the pops thing. What do you think, Sean? I think that's a good idea. So we should point out that, yeah, so uh, as you said, there were so many of them that uh, we, we had a little voting committee between the TEFL commute team, and these are the ones that we all thought were, well, hilarious, I guess. But a lot, I mean, to be fair, lots of them were very, very funny. It was oh, very they hard. Were. We, we, just been, we, we could not count to 10. I think we're at 13. We're at so 13, we yeah. In true Tropical Pops form, we're going to each uh, say the name of one of the, say the name and the artist of the song, and at the end, we'll thank some of the people who, who submitted these, okay? So, ready? Sean? Go then, Lindsay. The first one that we've got here is Clil Crazy. After All These Years by Paul Simon. And that would be followed up by Girlfriend in a Comma by The Smiths. <laughs> the next one, great bit of wordplay here, Total Ellipsis of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> and continuing with that wordplay, it's Walk Like an Elision by The Bangles. Another favourite of mine here, The Final Countdown by Europe. <laughs> Another favourite of yours, because you thought of that one. Um, <laughs> continuing on the countdown... Baby, You Can Drive My Schwa by The Beatles. You Can Teach This by MC Hammer. Uh, and followed by <laughs> Under the Boardwork by The Drifters. Apologize for the singing. <laughs> now, the next one, I don't know the original artist. I'm sure someone could tell us, but this one was a favorite of ours. Is How much is that dog me in the window? Continuing the countdown then, we've got Simply the Nest by Tina Turner. Or it could attended. be simply the nest. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, it works both ways, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Be yeah. Better than all the nests. <laughs> okay, the next one, another one that made us all laugh, is Give PPPs a Chance by John Lennon. Yes, definitely a song for this day and age. Uh, perhaps we all need the next one as well, which is a bit of Lexical Healing by Marvin Gaye. And closing off our list is Better the Tuffle You Know by Kylie Minogue. Uh, and are we going to mention the one that we kind of we didn't put in because but we all really loved and we didn't put it in because it was about a person rather than uh, rather than something specifically healthy yes and that was Harmer 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 Chameleon by Culture Club Harmer Chameleon So thank you to everybody on Facebook who submitted these. That would include just some of the people. There were lots of you. I'm just going to name some of them. Julian Johanpur, Marcos Benavides, Will Roscoe, Chris Madden, um, James Taylor, Karina Sharoma, Jessica McKay, Paul Davies, David Dodgson, Jeremy Taylor, Curtis Day, Joanne Silverberg, Sue Lyon-Jones, Charles Hadfield, and many, many more who also, uh, sorry I couldn't name everyone with over 100 posts. It got really hard, but thank you so much. We really enjoyed wasting a whole day following those thanks everybody <laughs> yes. how, 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 when, the, when the podcast takes over your life um, that was one of those examples we done yeah i think we i think we are done
you still laugh. You're still. Are you laughing at your own, or are you laughing at, know, the, other laughing at the other ones? I'm laughing at the simply the <laughs> nests. I keep having that <laughs> better than all the nests. <laughs> the more I can't, I can't. Every time I look at the list, I keep changing my mind. It's like I, I still think lexical healing is genius, but then yeah. I kind of to, total ellipsis of the heart is fabulous, and, um, and every time yeah, I can't decide. Yeah. <laughs> I just I really can't decide. Oh well, um, Lizzie, this is the end of the season, isn't it? Because it's it's kind of season so, yeah. break time now. Another so. season down. Another yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, so all our listeners, uh, we do every season of Tuffle Commuters around six episodes. We're coming to the end of 2016, so this will be the last episode of this year. But we aim to be back with another season of fun and interesting episodes, which are not about language teaching, but the subject seems to come up more and more. Um, so have a good end of the year holidays. Uh, Happy New Year. This is uh, goodbye from Lindsay. Oh, that was that was a bit. Yeah, happy New Year, everyone. Uh, see you in uh, twenty seventeen, and uh, um, enjoy the break, Lindsay. I'll, I'll see you in the new year. Bye, yeah. all. Bye, bye, Sean. Bye, everyone. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. Find the lyrics of a song that tells a story. Paste them into a Word document, but make the text look more like a paragraph than lyrics. Select a few words and replace them with translations in the student's language. Alternatively, replace some keywords with blanks and provide definitions. Give the text to the students, but don't tell them it's a song. Ask them to either find the words and translate them back to English, or complete the gaps with the correct words for the definitions. When they've finished, tell them that this is a song. Play the song and let them check their answers. Keeping the song bit secret until the end makes for a pleasant surprise and provides a real reason to listen. You can find the instructions for these activities at our website, www.tufflecommute.com. You've been listening to The Tuffle Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tufflecommute.com.